chapter 14 and um, uh, verse number 28. Praise God. Matthew 14 and 28. Thank you, Lord. All right. Um, and Christy, I apologize. I couldn't connect, so um, I appreciate your help uh, with this. Um, tonight we're going, we're, we're continuing our study. I know we, we brought forth quite a few messages under the title, Ready for Trial. And we're not done with that concept or theme. We'll continue to build on that. But as we worked our way through um, the, the trial of our faith and, and we understood that uh, Satan is our adversary, literally the Bible identifies him as our adversary, which means an opponent in a lawsuit. We said that Father God is the judge when our faith's put on trial and he's already ruled in your favor. Um, but that your jury, the jury in your faith trial is your own heart and your adversary is trying to entice and convince your heart to doubt because he can win that trial against your faith if he can get you to doubt. And, and I'm not trying to oversimplify this, but that really and truly is, is it, it comes in different ways and, and, you know, that he tries to, you know, infiltrate our hearts with doubt. And, um, and we're going to look at some of those ways, but that, the bottom line of it is, is that. He knows that if he can't get doubt in your heart, if he can't get doubt in your heart, he can't prevent your faith from producing results in your life. And so that's his whole point. That's his whole aim. Just like a prosecutor, you know, um, in, in a trial and a defense attorney in a trial, they're, they're trying to appeal to the jury. They're trying to convince, persuade uh, the jury. In this case, your heart's the jury, and that's the part of you that is um, either being persuaded um, by the enemy and by what's going on around you, or it's being persuaded by what the Word of God says and that, and that, and that truth uh, that, that strengthens uh, your faith and enables you uh, to, um, to, to stay strong in faith. Praise God. So the, the title of the sermon tonight, and we'll probably, I don't know, three or four at least, uh, under this title, this is part one, Why Did You Doubt? Why Did You Doubt? Okay. And so in Matthew chapter 14, verse 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, and there it is, why did you doubt? Now, if you're not familiar with this story, and I imagine a lot of people are, but just to make sure you understand what's going on here, Jesus had sent his disciples across uh, so that he could have some alone time with his father, and he was now making the journey across the water to meet them, and Jesus, middle of the night, he's taken a, uh, I say a shortcut, you know, he could have walked around, but... Um, he's walking across the water. He's walking on the water. And for those of you who may be, uh, you know, curious about this, do I believe that Jesus walked on water? I absolutely believe that Jesus walked on water, okay? 
And not only do I believe Jesus walked on water, I believe that he was not the only man to ever walk on water because clearly the Bible says Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. So this idea that only Jesus can walk on water is, is not true. It's not accurate. It's not biblical, okay? And so what we see is that Jesus walked on the water and we also see that when Peter saw him, he said, if that's you, Lord, bid me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water to Jesus. Okay. Now, if you believe the Bible, then you believe that this is true. And I absolutely believe the Bible and absolutely believe that it's true. Now, this is more, though, than just um, an opportunity for us, you know, to, to have a glimpse into the life and times of Simon Peter. This is, this is recorded, um, you know, first of all, to show us that, it, that it's, it's possible and, and that it can be done. Uh, but there's more here than that. There's, there's a, a reason why this was recorded for us, and it's more than just bragging on Peter, okay? This was recorded for you and me because it's, it's teaching us some very important lessons about this important subject of faith. And so we know that Peter walked on the water because of faith, Right? And we also know that when he began to doubt, he began to sink. In other words, as long as he was operating in faith, he was able to walk on the water. But the moment his faith became corrupted with doubt, the faith that was supporting him began to uh, disintegrate, if you will. If I could, if I could you know, do some kind of Hollywood special effect for you, you know, we, could, we could illustrate that. But it, it literally began to disintegrate under his feet. And as that faith began to disintegrate under his feet, the Bible says that Peter began to sink. Now, the good news for Peter and the good news for you and me is that when we step out in faith, if, if we begin to doubt and, and as we are trying to learn and grow and develop, amen, and, and if we begin to sink, just cry out for help. Uh, Jesus was right there to help Peter, and he'll be right there to help you, just like he's been right there to help me many times in my life. Now, there's another thing that I want to point out to you here, and that is when Jesus, once they got back into the boat, Jesus uh, looks to Peter and he says two things to him. First of all, he says, Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Now, I believe personally that this is an incorrect translation because the word that's translated little here could have also been translated because it also means brief. Instead of, uh, uh, Brother Greg, would you mind cutting the, the monitors off or something behind me? I'm, I'm hearing myself twice. I'd, I hope y'all don't think I'm being silly when I do that, but it, you know, I, tonight I was like, I don't, I'm pushing through it. I'm pushing through it. No, I'm not pushing through it. Amen. It just, I don't know. Can you hear it out there? Can you hear me twice? No. Okay. Amen. There's something, it's not echoing in my head. It's echoing behind me. Amen. All right. So <laughs> thank you, brother. Praise God. All right. So he, he could, you know, and, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, um, I don't think it's, thank you, Greg, that, that solved it. I, I don't, I don't think it's little faith to walk on water. I mean, that, you know, that, that's not like microscopic faith. That's not a, a uh, you know, rookie level, beginner level faith. That's pretty impressive faith, uh, at least from where I'm standing, for, uh, for a man to walk on water um, uh, by faith, okay? Um, and so I believe it's, O ye of brief faith instead of little faith, because as long as Peter was in faith, he walked on water. 
but when his faith began, uh, it was again corrupted by doubt. And when his faith became corrupted by doubt, he was no longer strong in faith and, and he began to sink. So as long as he was in faith, he walked on the water. But when the doubt entered in, it corrupted the faith and he began to sink. So as I said already, this is recorded not just to pat Peter on the back and give him props, but it's recorded to teach you and me something very important about faith. It's, it's almost like it's giving us um, a, a, a real-time, um, measurable, quantifiable example of, of how faith works and then what happens when doubt enters into faith and, and what the result that faith was producing now is, 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 is being eliminated. It's, it's, it's no longer producing because the doubt has corrupted it. So I said that Jesus, uh, it's recorded that Jesus said two things to Peter. O ye of brief faith. And then he asked him a question. He says, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Now, I'm going to be the first person to confess to you that I've never really taken this question uh, to heart. In other words, I, I don't mean that, you know, in any disrespectful way. Um, I've known that this question was in the Bible. But how many of you know Jesus doesn't ask a question just to hear himself talk, right? Jesus, and, and Jesus is certainly not trying to embarrass Peter. He's not trying to humiliate him. He, I believe, you know, you would think that, you know, maybe Jesus could have patted him on the back and, you know, way to go Idaho or, or something, you know. Uh, but instead, I mean, Jesus just gets right down to it. You know, oh, you of brief faith, why, why did you doubt? And, and I believe one of the reasons that, that Jesus did that is because I believe Jesus has a perspective on what's at stake when we doubt. That, that, that Jesus understands, uh, obviously, all things better than we do, but especially when it, when it pertains to, to matters and issues of faith. Um, in other words, doubt is a dangerous thing. If, if faith is the difference maker, as according, according to the Word of God, if faith is how we win, and doubt is what corrupts faith and causes us to lose, then I don't believe Jesus is overreacting here when he's trying to use this not as a congratulatory moment, but as a teaching moment for Peter, and then not just for Peter, but for me and you as well. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, it doesn't specifically say that Peter walked on the water by faith. Well, you would be correct there, but it's clearly implied because as long as he was in faith, focused on the object of his faith, Jesus, who was also walking on water, he was able to do so. But notice, it was when he was distracted. It, it, it was when he looked away from Jesus and began to look at what was going on around him. It says specifically in verse 30, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous. Now, we've been talking about how faith is, and, and, and let, me say, let me back up for a moment. We've made this statement more than once. Operating in faith involves believing something you can't see in order to change something that you can see. Operating in faith involves, uh, you know, believing something that you cannot see in order to change something that you can see. Jesus, in his conversation with Nicodemus in John the third chapter, he used the example of wind. He says, um, you know, we don't know where it comes from or, or, or where it goes, right? But we, we see the, the effect of wind. 
If, if I see a tree out of my backyard moving, um, I don't think that there's some giant back there shaking it. I just, I can't see the wind, but what am I seeing? I'm seeing the effect that the wind is having on the tree. So no more than, than you know, in other words, you can't see wind, I can't see wind, Peter can't see wind, but what could Peter see? Peter could see the effect that the wind was having. He could see, he could see the circumstances that were being produced by this invisible uh, thing that, that we see as wind. And so if you, if you flip that coin as well, um, in other words, it was, it was something that Peter couldn't see that was causing something he could see that created the doubt or that, that opened up the, 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 the doorway, so to speak, of his mind for doubt to creep into his heart. And, and this is when he began to sink. So something that you can't see producing something that you can and so in the same way that this works for us with faith, um, you know, praise God, I'm, all these verses firing off in my head, we've been over them, you know, time and time again. Um, by faith, we understand um, everything that we can see, everything that's visible was made from what we can't see that, that's invisible. It's verse after verse about this. I'm not going to go back down that list right now. Um, but but so, so, and we also have this confirmed because the result that faith was producing was counteracted by doubt as identified um, uh, to Peter uh, by Jesus. But now, let's get back to the question, though. Because Jesus asked the question, why did you doubt? I believe, and, and I don't think I'm stretching this too far here, that if Peter had not doubted, he would have walked, and Jesus would have walked all the way across the water to the other side. In other words, the only thing that stopped him from walking on water was his doubt. Now, it could have been like if you were walking alongside a car and you got tired and wanted to get in the car and rest. I guess he could have like, Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm tired of walking up and down these waves here. Um, let's just get in the boat and, and ride the rest of the way, which I don't think that would have ever happened. If I'm walking on water, I'm walking on water till I have to get on my belly and crawl on it, right? You know, I'm saying. But, but in other words, that, that's what Jesus is, the, the tone, I believe, of his voice is like, you know, why did you doubt? Because if you had not have doubted, you would have continued um, to walk on the water alongside me. You would have walked on the water with me. Now, I also want you to notice here that Jesus was a powerful, influential factor in all of this, but Peter walking on the water was not solely based upon Jesus walking on the water. Because if Peter walking on the water was based only on Jesus walking on the water, then Peter would have not have sunk because Jesus didn't sink. But Peter sank not because Jesus sunk, Peter sank because he doubted. Are you, are you seeing this? So what is, what, is the, what is the lesson here again? That it's not up to Jesus whether or not Peter walked on water. It was up to Peter believing that he could and responding here is, here is the key factor. Are you with me tonight? Am I going too fast? I almost feel like I got into auctioneer mode there. Let me, okay. Here is the key factor. Faith by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. So when he speaks the four-letter word come to Peter, Peter hears that the faith, the measure of faith that's in Peter, according to Romans 12 and 3, is activated, and Peter steps out of the boat on that faith. Let me, let me try to give you some examples here, okay? 
You see, religion would want to take this story and say, it was only God's will for Peter to walk a little while on the water. That somehow it was up to God whether or not Peter walked any further on the water or not. That it was up to the will of God. That it was, that it was up to um, you know, the plan of God. That it was, it was up to the, the, the providence of God. You know? No, none of that was at play here. Peter walked on water because he believed what Jesus said when he told him to come. And he stopped walking on water and began to sink when he doubted it. It was not based upon... Certainly based upon what Jesus said to him, but it, 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 in other words, you could say he did it because Jesus did it. Well, Jesus was still doing it when Peter didn't do it anymore. Are, are you seeing this? So the, the emphasis here is on Peter's faith, on Peter's response to what Jesus said to him. So let's back to this question. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Now, Jesus has been known to ask some amazing questions. One of my favorite, and to me it's one of the most important questions you will ever answer for yourself. Remember when he asked him? He, he, he kind of led him into it. His first question was, who do men say that I am? All right? And of course, what does this do? This engages. A question is designed to engage the, the hearer's thinking. So when he asked them, who do men say that I am? He was directing their thoughts from, maybe they were thinking about what's for lunch. Maybe they were thinking about, you know, where are we going next? Maybe they were thinking about the last miracle Jesus performed. I don't know where their minds were, but when Jesus says, who do men say that I am? He's now brought their focus into that question. And so they begin to answer that question. They begin to say what other people uh, religious establishment was saying, you know, some say you're a prophet, some say this, some say that. But then before, you know, I don't know if the conversation lulls or they come out, run out of answers or Jesus just cuts in. But then he asked them this question, who do you say that I am, right? Now, again, at least two reasons why. Jesus is trying to show them the difference between what everybody else says and what they say right? It's not about what your mama says about Jesus. It's what do you say about him? It's not what other people think about him or what other people have told you about him. What, what do you believe about him? It's a, it's a personal thing. It's an intimate thing. It's an individual thing. And so now Jesus begins with a, it's like a funnel, right? He begins with a broader question, but then he narrows it. Because now he's not just wanting them to think about and process in their minds what everybody else is saying but he's wanting them to begin to think about it for themselves what do they say what do they think what do they believe all right now it is of no coincidence that when their thoughts deepen into their their own um ideas and their own thoughts right as they begin to ponder this as they begin to set their minds on this that the Holy Spirit revealed to Peter who Jesus truly was. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, uh, Peter, but my Father in heaven. In other words, Peter didn't come to that conclusion in his own mind, by his own effort alone now. It, it certainly came to him in his mind, but, but not solely based upon his thinking. Now, this is... 
I'm not here to preach this thing all the way out, but before we take a turn here, let me just show you what's going on. As they have focused their thoughts on something, this has provided an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come alongside and reveal something to them that they did not previously know or understand. And my brother, my sister, this is exactly how He will work in your life and in my life. I cannot tell you how many things, thankfully, I cannot tell you though how many things the Lord has revealed to me, how many things He has taught me, right, by me simply getting still and beginning to meditate and ponder and think about and try to come to to an understanding about a verse of Scripture. And now all of a sudden, as I have engaged that, the Holy Spirit has come alongside because He's got my attention now, right? He's able to come alongside me and begin to show me things and teach me things and reveal things to me, right? That if I'm, you know, seeing which house they're going to buy on Home and Garden TV, y'all know I kind of like to watch those things. People buy houses for whatever reason, amen, you know. In other words, my mind's elsewhere. You, are you seeing this? But now that, that there's some focus, it's, it's, it's a prime opportunity for the Holy Spirit to reveal it to me. It's, it's, it's kind of like in, in the Rick Renner uh, um, at a minister's conference two or three years ago. Um, he used this example. Um, it's, it's like a, a scuba diver um, on, on the side of a boat, um, I guess they go in backwards so it don't rip the mask off and all that stuff, right? But a scuba diver, just picture it in your mind, a scuba diver you know, going backwards off of a boat, and there's one point where they enter the water. But then once they enter the water, a whole world under the water opens up to them. And so many times when we will take these kinds of questions in the Scriptures or or things that Father God is, is, is speaking to you, something that you're studying, or something that stands out to you in your daily Bible reading, or, or maybe a devotional, or something you heard in a sermon, right? And, and the Holy Spirit all of a sudden is kind of breathing on that thing. You know, it's kind of like you're building a fire, and you get a little coal going, and you... And, and, and the coal starts to glow, and it starts to heat up, right? This, this is another way that, that I try to explain you know, how the Holy Spirit will, will speak to me at times. It's like He begins to breathe on something in my life, and I know that He's trying to emphasize something and, and show me something and, and teach me something, right? And so as we, as we begin to ponder that and think about that, it becomes that point of entry. It's like a scuba diver. All of a sudden, that one verse um, leads us to a whole world of truth that we haven't seen before. And that we never will see until we drop out of that boat and, 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 and go beneath the surface. Are you, are, you, are you seeing this? Okay. So when Jesus asked Peter, why did you doubt? I want you to hear him asking you that tonight. In other words, I think that this is something that, that, that we need. Uh, it's a question that needs to be answered. Let me, let me kind of get back to um, I believe it was one of the more important and historic moments in the history of the church when the Lord gave Kenneth E. Hagan 
The simple yet profound commission. Anybody remember what he commissioned him to do? Go teach my people faith. That's what the Lord told him to do. Now, you know, people have, they've written books about him. I mean, negative, you know, tearing him down, ripping him to shreds, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, just making so light, making so fun. And you've got to be careful. Ooh, you better be careful speaking against what you don't understand, right? That man is a 20th century gift to the body of Christ if there's ever been one. And the Lord gave him so much revelation. You know, you, you say, well, um, why didn't he teach on other things? He did. He taught on a whole lot of other things. But that's not what the Lord told him to do. The Lord commissioned him to go teach my people faith. And that's exactly what he did. It's kind of like um, what Paul told King Agrippa. I was not obedient to the heavenly vision, right? Was, he, he did it and did it for decades and has impacted let, let me just, and I know that we don't have the answer for this and will not till we get to heaven, but we know the devil tried very hard to kill that man. Very, very hard. And he was raised off of his deathbed uh, as a young man, healed, miraculously healed. But can you imagine what the body of Christ on planet Earth would look like today had Kenneth Hagin died when he was a teenager? And we don't have the benefit. In other words, what people don't realize is that there are folks who get in pulpits and preach against him that have benefited tremendously from his life and ministry. And they don't even realize it. The difference, the impact that he made, the, the mark that he left on this world that cannot be erased. And obviously, I, I, he's one of my heroes. I look up to that man. I, I um, try not to live my life with regrets, but... Sometimes I regret not having gone to, to Rama College when I was younger and ha, have set under, had set under his ministry, okay? Now, I'm not trying to make a joke here. Uh, if you've been around Heritage very long at all, you know that faith is one of the subjects that we uh, teach on and talk about regularly. Even if we're on another subject, we'll figure out a way to get some Jesus and redemption and righteousness and faith in it. Okay, But I really believe, and I know this may sound silly, I'm not trying to make it like some epic thing like with Brother Hagen, but it's not nearly as fun or as glamorous. But I believe the Lord has laid it on my heart to teach us about doubt. I believe that it's time that we answer this question, why did you doubt? The question, I know me and definitions, okay? The word why, it actually has a definition. And it's the cause, reason, or purpose you did something. Why means for what purpose, for what reason, for what cause. So if Jesus asked him why did you doubt, there was a reason he doubted. There was a cause. Are you following what I'm saying? Something caused him to doubt. There was a reason he doubted. And my friend, in the same way, there was a reason and a cause for Peter's doubt. There's a reason and there's a cause when I doubt. And there's a reason and there's a cause when you doubt. And Jesus is saying we need to identify 
why we doubt. We need to understand the cause of our doubt. We need to understand the reason why we doubt. Why did you doubt? I, I, this is my, listen, this might be the simplest thing, but don't let this sell over your head. Do you realize that when Jesus asked him why he did it, Jesus is also saying he didn't have to. Are you following what I'm saying? When Jesus says, why did you doubt? He's like, I mean, the, 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 the implied uh, communication there is, you didn't have to doubt, Peter, why did you? You, you could have chosen not to doubt. You could have resisted the doubt. You could have pushed the doubt away. You could have overcome. The doubt's going to come. What are you going to do when the doubt comes? How are you going to handle it? Why did you, why did you doubt? Now, this may go without saying, but to make it clear, when we say we're going to learn about doubt, not to teach people how to doubt, I know this may sound strange. We don't need to be taught how to doubt. We learned that before we ever knew we were on planet Earth. We have, without realizing it, we, we have throughout our entire lifetime, little by little, we have learned to doubt. And there are a lot of folks who have become very good at it. So when I say we're going to teach on the subject of doubt, not to teach you how, we already know how. But when I say we're going to learn about doubt, we're going to learn about doubt so we can be in a better position to defend ourselves against it. Doubt is to faith what kryptonite is to Superman. Now, I've told you some things I'm going to just review them right quick i believe that faith is the default position of your born again spirit we are faith children of a faith god we are believers and what do believers do believers believe amen any believers in the house any believers watching me online tonight well for believers what do believers do believers believe I've come to realize something that you may still be pondering. But I believe... I I have come to realize that believing is not nearly as hard as not doubting. Right? Are you with me tonight? Are you feeling me tonight? Some of you remember J.B. Looney, he, um, he's with Jesus now. But man, what a sports fan. He, he loved every kind of sport there was. Um, but I think baseball and Alabama, any kind of major league, ba- any kind of baseball, especially major league baseball, and Alabama football was his favorite. And um, Ted Williams, was that the guy that hit, that last one hit 400? I hope Ted made it to heaven because if he did, Mr. Looney and, and Ted are buddies because he loved Ted Williams and, you know, just, and, um, and they were talking about, we were talking about batting averages one day, right? And, um, and you know, hitters and, and, you know, if you can hit 300, man, you're, you know, 
I mean, you realize if you're batting 300, that means you're, you're getting out 700. <laughs> that means three times out of 10, you're getting a hit. Seven times out of 10, you're getting out, right? And I never forget one day, Mr. Lenny said, you know, you know why it's so hard for them to get a high batting average, don't you? And I'm like, well, I don't, I mean, I never really thought of it. He said, the pitcher. I'm like, man, that's, yeah, right? With all them guys throwing curveballs and sliders and sinkers and, and high heat and all those. The, 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 the pitcher's why it's so hard. See, we think, we think hitting is hard. Hitting wouldn't be hard at all if you put the ball on a tee. Right? So we think hitting is so hard. No, the reason hitting's hard is because of the pitcher's. And the reason believing is hard is because of the doubt. If there was no doubt, remember doubt doesn't come without assistance. There's a very real enemy who's trying to manipulate doubt in you. You say, I'm not sure about this. Well, wait till we get to heaven. You won't have any doubts there. Well, I'll see it there. No, you won't have any doubt there because you won't have any flesh there and you won't have an enemy running loose that's, that's influencing you to doubt. I've come to realize that believing is not nearly as hard as not doubting. Faith is a two-sided coin. Only believe, doubting nothing. Believing with no doubting will move mountains in your life. But, the same Bible that says believing with no doubting will move mountains in your life says the man who doubts should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. All right, I'm out of time. Let me, let me make this last statement, okay? We put so much effort into learning about faith. Come on now, am I the only one? Growing in faith, feeding our faith, living by faith, learning how to receive by faith, learning how to overcome by faith. What does the Bible say about faith? Reading books on faith, listening to sermon, listening to sermon series on faith, growing our faith. All these things, right? And the whole time, just ignorant of the doubt that keeps slipping in the back door and undermining all of our faith efforts. There's a, there's a, a verse in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament, and it, and it says that it's like people are putting their money in a sack with a hole in it. And I was meditating on some of these things recently. It's kind of like the Lord prompted me. He said, it's, it's like that. You know, we're putting all this faith capital into a sack that's got a big doubt hole in the bottom of it. And we're wondering why we can't ever get the sack full enough to really make a, a big dent in, in the mountain we're trying to move. It's because we've, we're putting all of our effort into learning about faith, but are completely oblivious to the doubt that's undermining it all. Stand with me. Praise God. <laughs> I almost feel like I was trying to sell you and me on this series, but I'm convinced the Lord's speaking to me. The Lord's showing me some different ways that doubt, remember, doubt always enters the heart through the doorway of the mind. Okay? It always enters the heart through the doorway of the mind. Praise God.
That's good news because remember we said that if, if we're going to stop something from getting in, we've got to figure out how it's getting in and where it's getting in. Okay? Let me, I, it leaks in, we'll talk about this next week. It leaks in, it sneaks in, and it peaks in. Okay? Can I tell you what happened to Peter? Can I tell you how doubt got in his heart? He peaked. All right? As long as he's focused on Jesus, man, he's walking on the water. He had to peek at what was going on around him, though, right? He had to take a look. He had to see, right? He had to see if it was working. Had to take a peek, see, see if he was really healed, see if it was really any better, see if anything had changed, right? And the minute he took his focus off of what God said and took a peek, doubt snuck right in when he cracked that door. Okay? So again, it leaks in, that's from pressure, right? It sneaks in. A lot of folks that are in so much doubt and they don't, they don't even know that they are. They don't realize. I mean, they, they even, they're so convinced that they, they think they're in faith and that it's God. Why they ain't made any headway yet. Come on now. It just snuck right in on them and they don't even realize it, okay? And then it peaks in. Okay, so I, it, can, it can wait till next week. Father, you're good to us and we love you. And I thank you, Lord, that... Um, we're going to be mature enough to ask ourselves this important question. Why did you doubt? Why? What was the cause? What was the reason? What was the motivation? What was the justification? What, what, um, what was the, the, the purpose? What was behind it? How, how did it happen? How, how did you go from walking on water to um, sinking and sinking rather quickly? And Father, I thank you that we're not going to be afraid of the answers because we need these answers. Father, we need to, um, we need to sew, sew this hole up in our sack, Father, that's um, undermining uh, the efforts that we're making towards believing you and learning and growing in faith. And so, Lord, I thank you tonight for just you revealing stuff to us as a, as a body, as a family of faith, generally speaking. But then also, Father, there's going to be some specific things, that personal things that, um, that you're going to show us individually. And I, I'm just releasing my faith for that. And, um, and we believe you tonight for good things. We thank you for a great rest of this week. Amen. Amen. All right, if you're in the room, if you're watching online, tell somebody around you good things coming. We'll see you Sunday, if not before. You be blessed.